Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. So delighted to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we have got a curious item. If you'll take a look over here in this display case, we have uh, some various items carved from gems. Uh, this one over here in particular on the right-hand side of the display case, it is a creature carved out of jade. Of course, this particular piece of jade and the creature which it is carved into both reside in a valley somewhere in the mountains of China or maybe another dimension not too far from there. <laughs> this reminds me of a story and it is the essence of today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the mutoscope and take a look at the new Max series, Gremlins. Secrets of the Mogwai. So you weren't a kid in the 80s if you didn't grow up with an affinity for the film Gremlins. Uh, of course, Gremlins came out in 1984, a movie written by Chris Columbus, directed by Joe Dante, starring Zach Galligan, Phoebe Cates, Hoyt Axton, and of course the vocal work of Howie Mandel. Then six years later in 1990, we got Gremlins 2, the new batch. Which, ah, that may be not quite as good as the original. But for me, Gremlins was it as a kid. I had I had the stuffed gizmo uh, plush doll that kind of squeaked when you shook it. Uh, you had to order away for that. And uh, I used to have that. I wish I still had it. Uh, I think it got, I think I accidentally got rid of it in one of my latest moves. And I, I could kick myself for, for not making sure that was secured. But, uh, but I had that. I had the little, uh, they had plastic figures of Gizmo and Stripe the, the, the evil Mogwai, the evil Gremlin, had stickers, all that good stuff. And, and you know, that was, that was one of the beauties of being a kid. Uh, you know, born in the 70s, but really I grew up my my heyday. My formative years were those in the 80s with all those great 80s movies and all those great 80s toy lines based off of movies and based off of TV shows. And Gremlins was one of those. And I loved Gremlins. It was a movie that I couldn't wait to see if there was a sequel. And then when they came out with the sequel, New Batch in 1990, I was a little disappointed like a lot of people. I, I still like it. I still have an affinity for it, but I don't love it. Of it like I did the original because they did uh, a bunch of different quirky specialized gremlins and they use DNA uh, stuff to explain that away. I, I love the, I believe it's a key and peel uh, skit on how they came up with the idea for gremlins 2 and it's ridiculous and it almost makes sense and from what I understand it's not too far off of how it actually went down but even since then I've always had a, a wonder of what gremlins in the modern day would be like if they brought you know the the peter character back the gizmo character back 
And and we did get a little taste of that with that uh, commercial. It was for uh, Mountain Dew Zero. They had the Gremlins ad with an old gizmo and an old Peter. It was during one of the Super Bowls here, either... Uh, not this past one, but maybe the year before. And, you know, it was when I saw that, it was so exciting because that was the, the closest thing we've had to another Gremlin sequel. And when I found out they were doing this series on Max called Gremlins Secrets of the Mogwai, an animated series, I really got excited because I thought, oh, what what is this going to be like? It's on, it's on Max. Uh, of course, when they announced it, it was still HBO Max, but uh, now it's Max. And I, I thought, is this going to be, you know, dark and gritty and gory? And it, or, or is it going to, what's it going to be like? Uh, I, I found out right away, uh, once you started seeing the previews and the trailers for it, that it was going to be more of a, a kid's cartoon. But was it going to be something that me as an adult Gremlins fan was going to enjoy? That really was the burning question inside of me. And I have to say right off the bat, before we get too spoilery in this, if anybody's listening and doesn't want anything spoiled, we're going to get into some spoilery stuff, but I'll let you know when we're going to get there. But I have to say in this kind of non-spoilery section, I did enjoy it. As an adult Gremlins fan, it was a bit centered towards kids. I, I think this series, this animated series, was built to get a younger generation hyped up about gremlins. Maybe moving towards bigger things. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the episode. But this is definitely an animated series geared towards younger kids. Kind of like Gremlins was really marketed towards young kids, even though it was very dark. It gave a lot of kids nightmares, myself included. But this is geared towards kids but i think with enough sensibility about it to give the adult fans of gremlins something to enjoy and we'll get into all that in the spoilery section but i I did ultimately enjoy this even though there were aspects of it that were like ah this is kind of juvenile but I i could look past that because there was another enough interest in in gremlins and the lore and expanding the lore of the gremlins they may have done it in a juvenile way and in a kids animated series way but it had some interesting aspects to it and and the fact that they are doing this as a prequel of course in the gremlins movie you had the mr wing character who is he He's the one taking care of Gizmo at the beginning before Peter's father kind of buys him on the sly from from Mr. Wing's grandson or great-grandson. But Mr. Wing has a lot of knowledge of the Mogwai. And it's a very mysterious character that you wonder what the backstory of that is. Well, in Gremlins Secrets of the Mogwai, we get that backstory. We get to meet a 10-year-old Mr. Wing. Of course, in the series, he's his name is Sam, Sam Wing. And we get to see how he meets Gizmo and the adventures they have. And the adventures they'll continue to have because it's already been greenlit for a second season. So uh, a lot of interesting stuff for the the old school Gremlins fans, for the for the old farts like me who grew up watching Gremlins and are excited to see something new with the gremlins in the live action realm coming this was an interesting an interesting watch even though it is a bit juvenile it is like i said geared towards kids 
but I think it has enough that uh, that adult fans of Gremlins are gonna be able to enjoy some things, and it's it's fun. It took me back to my days as a kid and and watching cartoons and and just enjoying the innocence and the fun and the adventure. It really kind of was a nostalgia trip in that regard for me. So I really dug Gremlins Secrets of the Mogwai. And uh, if you haven't watched it, I encourage it, go check it out on Max. Come back after you've watched it, if you haven't watched it yet, and hear what I have to say about it and hear my thoughts on it and kind of compare notes. You'll see if how you feel about it the same way I felt about it. But uh, from here on out, we are going to have some spoilers. So go watch it, come back and listen. And if you have watched it or maybe you're on the fence, you don't really know if you're going to or not, you don't care about spoilers, we're going to press on. But from here on out, there are going to be spoilers. So Gremlin's Secrets of the Mogwai is a completely computer-animated fantasy comedy animated series that was started, uh, developed by Zichun. A lot of producers on it, Steven Spielberg part of it. Brennan Hay is a big part of this as well. And you may you may know Zichun, uh, maybe not by name, but you'll definitely know some of the shows he's been a part of. Shows like Once Upon a Time, uh, he's part of Gotham, which uh, I was big fans of both of those shows. So, you know, he's got a, a resume that uh, is fairly impressive. Brendan Hay is a screenwriter, a uh, comic book creator. He's a TV producer and you know, has a very impressive resume himself. But these two were, were two kind of the driving forces of this series. And they wrote probably uh, of anybody, they wrote more episodes themselves. Uh, Zichun uh, wrote the premiere uh, of this, the very first episode and the season finale. Uh, Brendan Hay wrote the second and the penultimate episode. I think there was another episode, episode six, always by I Gotta Drink First. He wrote that as well. So, so these two really uh, integral in the creation of this series. And you know, in listening to them do interviews, you could really tell they have a great love for Gremlins the movie. And they had a great love and a great respect for opening up the next generation to the Gremlins. And I think really that is what this series is. This is a, a way to open the door to Gremlins for, for the younger generation and kind of moving the, the whole franchise forward. Uh, from from this point, you know, you you have that built-in audience with with us Gen Xers and even some of the the older millennials that uh, grew up with the Gremlins. But you need that younger generation to move forward, and I, I think this uh, was a, a task that these two men really took to heart to to stay true to the Gremlins that they love, but to be able to open it up to to the younger generation uh, to give them an appreciation for this film franchise that i mean it's only two two films in the franchise but but it's much beloved especially that first one and and you could really tell the love and the care that they put in to this whole experience and and they wanted to make something that while it is a, a kids animated series they wanted to scare the shit out of kids much like a lot of us kids had the shit scared of out of us by watching the original gremlins it was it was billed as kind of a a kid's creature movie, uh, like a lot of those were at the time. Uh, I believe Gremlins was a PG film, but it had some really dark moments. It had some really scary moments. 
And I have to say, uh, for my money, everyone sits there and, and all the bros out there talk about how Die Hard's a Christmas movie. If Die Hard's a Christmas movie, then Gremlins is freaking Miracle on 34th Street. Gremlins, to me, is the king of non-traditional Christmas movies. So ultimately, the basic premise of this, the series focus on a 10-year-old Sam Wing, the Mr. Wing that we meet at the beginning and the very end of the 1984 Gremlins, and and he meets Gizmo and he befriends a young street urchin named L. And of course, Sam, Gizmo, and L go on this journey to try and return Gizmo to his home in the Valley of Jade. And of course, along the way, they run into a lot of bad guys. They run into a lot of obstacles and monsters and spirits. And, and a lot of these monsters and spirits are based on Chinese folklore, which I thought was really cool because, you know, you see some of these outlandish characters, but they're based on actual Chinese folklore. Uh, I know uh, Zi Chun was saying how there was a lot of the things that scared him, a lot of the folk tales that scared him as a kid growing up. He wanted to scare young kids uh, of today with these same stories. But you, you get a lot of these adventures. And all the while, they're being chased by this malevolent uh, sorcerer, Riley Green and his henchmen. Of course, Riley Green, is, like I said, a sorcerer. But he is after a mogwai. Because in this story, the mogwai are immortal, essentially. And he learned a certain type of magic where he essentially turns somebody's essence into this large pearl. His mouth kind of jaw disconnects and he swallows this big pearl with a, a person's essence in it and he gains all their knowledge. Well, if he does that with a mogwai who is immortal, he will then in turn be immortal. So, you know, they're, they're having all these journeys, having all these adventures while being chased by this Riley Green character. Not only that, but a growing army of the evil gremlins. Now, we're not going to go into all the different characters in depth, but I am going to talk about some of the voice actors uh, they did with this because this whole story takes place in China. It's Shanghai in the 1920s. And I thought it was really cool. And I think it was really important to, uh, to Zi Chun to have a lot of Asian actors voicing these Asian characters. And, and they've got an impeccable cast uh, voice actors and regular actors who, who do a lot of voice work in this lineup. So I, I do want to touch on, on all of them. Of course, the main character, Sam Wing, is played by Isaac Wang. Not an actor I'm completely familiar with. I know he's done some, some film work and uh, he's done some work in, in television. But I think this is my first real experience with Isaac Wang's uh, work. In, and he did a really good job with the Sam Wing character. He brought that youthful kind of manic <laughs> essence of, of today's kids uh, to this character, Sam Wing, who's set in the 20s. It was very much a character that uh, that young kids are going to be able to relate to because the, the style of... Uh, of of character that this is is very indicative of what uh, characters in animation today are like and what the young kids kind of look to as as interesting character. So I, it, it was he did a, a really good job. It was a fun character. It was a character that you really enjoyed. Uh, you know, for me, the manicness of today's youth is a little. It's a little much for me sometimes, but it was all done quite fun. He he's a very pragmatic. 
uh, young boy Sam Wing is, always second-guessing himself, always wants to do the right thing, doesn't want to screw up, and sometimes he just needs to let go. And it's all about the development of that character, becoming brave, uh, becoming confident in himself, letting go, and just, just going for it. And I think... Isaac Wang does a really good job with this character. He, he makes you care about the character in, in his voice work and in the writing as well. But uh, you have his parents, Fong and Han Wing, played by Ming-Na Wen and B.D. Wong. And, and two actors I just absolutely love everything they show up in. Uh, Ming-Na Wen, I would have to say I probably have a little bit of a celebrity crush on her. Because I just, anytime she shows up in anything, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Book of Boba Fett, or, or The Mandalorian, uh, when her, her character and that she voiced, uh, the Fennec Shan character, showed up. I can't remember if it was Bad Batch or Clone Wars, something like that. One of those, I, I absolutely loved it. So, such a huge fan of her. And uh, such a great actress. And she really played this kind of overprotective mom who has to learn to let her son go, let her son be uh, be his own man. And I enjoyed that. B.D. Wong's character, Han, uh, was enjoyable. He played the kind of, uh, not bumbling dad, but... <laughs> But, but he, you know, the Han character was a little bumbling, uh, kind of nerdy. Uh, maybe bumbling is not the right word, but kind of nerdy and awkward. And, and B.D. Wong did such a, a good job with that. And then Grandpa Wing played by the incomparable James Hong, which I thought it was a bold thing to do to have the Riley Green character turn Grandpa Wing into one of these pearls of human essence and then swallow him. He ate sam's grandfather and it was dark and i was like oh my god they they went there it's a kid's cartoon and they went there and it was disturbing seeing uh, riley green's jaw dislocate and him swallowing this big pearl of grandpa wing's essence and i thought oh wow that's 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 bold for a kid's cartoon especially these days when everybody's so sensitive but uh, but then they kind of hedge their bet and when riley green is defeated at the end everyone he turned into a pearl and swallowed came back uh which it was kind of a, a mixed bag of tricks, a double-edged sword there. I, I thought it was great that they were bold enough to kill off Grandpa Wing. And then when they brought him back, I was like, oh, there's no stakes if they do that. But the good thing is, is that we do get James Hong back for season two. So uh, it's, you know, uh, you, you got to choose your battle. Pick which hill you're willing to die on. And I'd rather have James Hong in the show than out of the show because he's such a wonderful actor. Uh, speaking of Riley Green, Matthew Reese plays uh, the Riley Green character. And he does such a, a wonderful job with the with the smooth operator, sly, uh, weasel his way in, silver-tongued demon. And he added just the right amount of soft-spoken menace to this character that uh, it, it was it was a great character to watch, a great bad guy to watch. Then there's Gabrielle Nevaeh Green, who plays the L character, uh, uh, an actress I wasn't 100% familiar with, but when I when I kind of looked into her, I, you know, I knew some of the stuff she's been in. Like, she was in that Nickelodeon show, All That. Not a show I watched. I was a little bit old for that. But she was in that 
that. And of course, she uh, plays Elle in this, and she really is a, a standout in this this whole ensemble cast of, of wonderful actors and voice actors. Uh, she does a really good job with playing this streetwise, tough, you know, street urchin character. But she's, you know, uh, she starts out as kind of an antagonist, but she she has a change of heart, and she is kind of the fortune and glory type of character. Uh, she's out adventuring. She's out doing all these things, these heroic things, helping Sam, helping Gizmo, but she's in it just because she wants to get to the end of the rainbow and get her pot of gold. And then we find out that she's not all just about that because instead of the pot of gold, she finds she has a heart of gold. Yeah, you like that? I just came up with it. But no, anyway, uh, Gabrielle Nevea Green uh, does a really good job with the L character. I, I really enjoyed this character. And, uh, and then, of course, there's uh, Calvin Shen as Radish, a weird little kid, which added a lot of awkward humor to it. Uh, I enjoyed that performance. And, and so many other great voice actors. I, I wish I could go through all of them. I'm just going to hit a couple more uh, of them real quick. Of course, Dee Bradley Baker, speaking of uh, the Bad Batch and Clone Wars, he, he plays uh, some, you know, one of the evil Mogwai. He plays uh, a creature number two. Uh, he, he's in this great voice actor. A couple other actors uh, of note, of course, uh, George Takai plays Noggin. He is in, he's the, he's the only gremlin in this that kind of, feels like one of the uh, genetically enhanced gremlins from gremlin 2 he somehow has this uh, i can't remember how it happens but he ends up turning intelligent and then he also finds a magic ring that makes him impervious to magic that's why when they turn all the evil mogwai back into furry cute cuddly mogwai at the very end it doesn't affect him because he has a, a ring protecting him from magic and they use magic to do that uh, but george <laughs> does a really good job with this character uh, playing this intellectual gremlin and and he does get his trademark oh my in there at one point and i just freaking lost it i laughed so hard when they worked that in because it seems like anything he does nowadays he's got to get that line in or or people write it in for him but does a really good job it's a fun character and he, he does a a, a wonderful job playing that uh playing that humor and then of course the incomparable sandra O oh as nua she is the goddess that created the mogwai as a test for man uh because she wanted to see if mankind was worthy and that's why she created the mogwai she created the rules about not getting it wet not feeding it after you know it was interesting because they went into the lore of it it's always uh don't feed a mogwai after midnight well it's always after midnight somewhere and and, and even at 12 o'clock in, in the afternoon it's after midnight but it's it's after the moon is at its highest point is the real rule uh just after midnight is the human simplification and interpretation of the rule but also the staying out of sunlight she's the one that created these rules created the mogwai and it, it was really interesting dive into the lore and the creation of the mogwai you know when when you watched gremlins back in 1984 you're wondering where where did these creatures come from and and you never really got any answers to it which uh you know as a kid i really didn't care as much 
I think when you're a kid, you know, the suspension of disbelief, the I don't need a bunch of lore to weigh me down. I just I need to know that there are these these creatures. And maybe if I look hard enough, I can find a Mogwai, too. Or if I order a, a gizmo doll off of, uh, you know, box tops or whatever the hell I had to do to get that thing, uh, maybe it'll actually turn into a real Mogwai. And then I can have a friend just like Gizmo. That's all you care about as a kid. But as an adult... These sorts of things are, are kind of interesting, and and they do it in a very animated, they do it in a very juvenile, childlike way, but it's exposition, it is lore interesting enough that as an adult looking back on Gremlins, looking back on the Mogwai, I can say, oh yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. That's where they came from. But Sandra Oh does a really good job. And and speaking of the original Gremlins, uh, Zach Galligan played Peter in the original Gremlins movie, played him in the sequel, reprised his role for that, uh, that Mountain Dew commercial, and they brought him back to do a voice for this. He was just henchman number two. But the fact that they wanted to bring him in for this, to be a part of this, really, I, I think, was a great nod to the fans of the original Gremlins movies and, uh, you know, a, a deep respect for what he brought to the table back then and to, to have him be a part of this. Uh, not a big role, but just enough to be a part of Gremlins once again, I think, was was very special and very cool as a, as a fan of the original Gremlins movies. It did my heart good to see that they, they involved him, just like Joe Dante. They brought him in as a special consultant. I don't know how much consulting he did or how much say he had in how things went in this, but to, to bring him on board in a way that, that made him a part of this as well because he was so integral in the iconic Gremlins movie. And then, of course, Gremlins 2, I think, was just a, okay, you want to do an electric Gremlin? Fine, uh, I'll do it. Just, just cut the check to Joe Dante. But a wonderful cast. And I, I think, really, that is what makes this such a, a great animated series. The animation, the computer animation, is really good. It's interesting. It's very uh, eye-catching and, and fun to watch. The characters are, are fun and interesting. But it's the actors that really bring these characters to life and, and were quite enjoyable. And, and the adventures that they go on were really interesting. Uh, like I said, some of the monsters and spirits... Uh, from from Chinese folklore that you come across. It really made me want to look into some of these creatures and see what the lore is about them, see what the backstories and the, and the folk tales about these creatures are. And, and some of them were quite weird and creepy. Uh, the shapeshifter one was uh, one that really stood out to me. The, uh, the zombies that kind of hopped around were really weird, but creepy and and menacing all at the same time it, i mean there were there were a couple moments where there were it was kind of tense and it shouldn't have been because this is animated these zombies are hopping around but just the way they played some of these moments were really tension driven and they created a, enough of an atmosphere that it, it made it creepy and then they did a lot of dismemberment death and dismemberment in a kids animated series now granted it never got gory but you see a guy lose his hand 
You actually, you see a couple. No, I take that back. It was one of Riley Green's henchmen lost a finger or two. Uh, Riley Green lost a hand. He had another hand shriveled up into like a little nubbin. He had one gremlin liquefied. Uh, it was just a lot of a lot of really gross things that they didn't do it gory. There wasn't blood spurting or anything like that. But there were some really gnarly moments in this series that uh, made this very much in line with gremlins. The gremlins are evil. The gremlins are wicked. They're constantly running around laughing and, and uh, you know, torturing each other, torturing humanity. And you get to see some of the real consequences. A gremlin biting off a guy's finger. That's That's some disturbing stuff. Riley Green getting his hand cut off so he can't use magic. That's some disturbing stuff. And it was a lot darker than I expected it to be for a kids animated series. Which that's why I say, you know, it's it's the kind of kids animated series where they're going to give kids maybe some nightmares. Much like the original Gremlins did. And it made it adult enough that an adult Gremlins fan like myself could still enjoy it. It could still enjoy the ghoulish gremlins mayhem that, that took place. Now, speaking of the gremlins, we're going to talk about a couple of the voice actors that I didn't mention earlier because I don't know why I, I left them out. But uh, I did want to talk about the two main gremlins that we get in this. Uh, of course, we have in the original gremlins, you had Stripe. He was kind of the main bad guy. But in this you have Claw, so instead of the big uh, mohawk of, of white hair, she has these big long claws, and and it is a she. They they kind of uh, misgender her in today's uh, lexicon, but it is Miss Claw or or Madam Claw as she's uh, talked of later, played by Grey Delise, and a, a wonderful voice actor. She's got like hundreds of credits to her name and her resume and great Elise does a really good job with this character <laughs> making this character funny but at the same time uh, menacing and there's there's this kind of love affection towards gizmo it, it's really weird and it's so weirdly wonderful and, and done so well by great Elise voicing this character i really enjoyed that you know i know she voiced a lot of other things she's a talented voice actress so i'm sure they'll find another character for her to voice in the upcoming season i hope they do bring her back because a wonderful voice actor and the kind of the star of the show so to speak is the voice actor who played gizmo now they did not bring howie mandel back for this i i, I can't remember if i heard that he was offered it and turned it down but uh, but howie mandel not playing gizmo in this so, so i was wondering how it was going to work but you know i know when i was a kid growing up everybody had a gizmo voice and i think that's the same for this this voice actor aj lacasio of course he does uh Jeez, he's all over the place when it comes to voice acting. Does a lot of the Lego movies. Uh, he was in The Incredibles 2. He is in several TV series. Voices a lot of games. He voiced Marty McFly in the Back to the Future games back in 2010, 2011. So AJ Lacasio uh, did a really good job with Gizmo because I felt... Uh, I mean, there were times where... It didn't exactly feel like Howie Mandel's gizmo, but then there were a lot of times where, and, and more often than not, it, it did really feel like that Howie Mandel 
gizmo that that we all know and love uh which which i really appreciated uh you know like i said aj lacasio is a great voice actor but he also does some really good impressions as well uh if you've watched any of the videos of him on youtube where he's doing impressions uh quite talented in in that uh, realm as well so i really enjoyed his work as gizmo of course he voiced uh, several other of the evil mogwai in this series as well but i ultimately really loved this series now was it perfect by any stretch of the imagination especially for an adult viewer no because i it did dive into some very silly juvenile uh storytelling i mean th this very much was uh the way a story would be told for, for kids. I mean, it was all full of magic and fantasy and, and things that just didn't feel like the, the original Gremlins. Uh, it, it felt like a kid's cartoon, which that for me as an adult, I, I didn't enjoy that as much as I wanted to. Uh, but I could see where, like I said, this is kind of a gateway into the Gremlins universe for, for today's kids. So they do have to do this in a way that is going to be appealing to kids and be an adventure for kids. So I, I get that, but as an adult viewer, uh, the magic and just all of the, the silliness and the uh, fantasy of it was just a little too over the top for my liking who wanted it to be a little more grounded like the original gremlins movie but again like i said i understand why they did it that way but ultimately i thought it was a really interesting story uh i liked the lore that they built for the gremlins like again it, it was a little mad too magical for me at times but uh i it's not anything you have to go into in a live action movie if they decide to do another sequel to the gremlins a live action movie you don't have to go into all this uh goddess nua and the secret realm valley of the jade and that sort of thing the the clay knife these are all things that can be relegated to myth and tale uh, you don't have to go into all of that. But I did like the story. The characters were really interesting. Getting to see a young Mr. Wing, a Sam Wing character. And one of the things I really did enjoy is a lot of the things he said about the Mogwai in the Gremlins movie. You see these echoed in this. You find out where he found this information out. The rules for the Mogwai. He learned it from Nua. He learned it from uh, you know, his grandfather. When it comes to understanding the Mogwai, there's a scene at the very end of Gremlins in 1984 where he's talking to Gizmo and Peter says something, I'm paraphrasing, you understand him. And Mr. Wing says, to understand the Mogwai, one has only to listen. And you hear that same line being told to a young Sam Wing by, I think, the goddess Nua. You hear him being told that line. So you're seeing where he learned that from. And it, it, the connective tissue between that and 84 Gremlins, I absolutely loved moments like that. And this probably outside of the cast, those are the moments that really made me enjoy this this series and, and made me look forward to uh, a second season of this series. I, I liked the darkness of this whole season. It had a lot of dark moments. It had a lot of scary moments, uh, even though it is kind of geared towards kids and can be very juvenile and magic and fantasy centric. A lot of times it did have some dark moments and some, some gruesome moments. Not gory moments, but gruesome moments. And, and that I enjoyed as well. So ultimately, 
this was a, a wonderful series to watch. I can imagine as a kid who, who's never watched Gremlins before and, and watching this and being uh, indoctrinated into the Gremlins family by watching this. And now you're going to go and watch Gremlins 1. You're going to go and watch Gremlins 2. And, and I could see this being a wonderful way to open up uh, a whole new generation to Gremlins. And, and a lot of people my age and people my brother's age, you know, the, the Gen Xers and the, the older millennials showing their kids and their grandkids the Gremlins movies after watching this. I, I think it's a wonderful way to open this this whole series up to a new generation. And I, I think this is a great launching point uh, if you're going to do that, if you're going to open up the, the younger generation to the Gremlins universe. You almost have to have a third installment to the movies in the works. Something that brings back Peter. Uh, something that brings back Gizmo. I, I know in the uh, Mountain Dew commercial, they had Gizmo looking older. He was looking kind of grayed, much like Peter's older. But in this this animated series, they've established that the Gremlins, the, the Mogwai, I should say, uh, the Mogwai are immortal. So they wouldn't age, I wouldn't think. So you could have Gizmo looking as young and spry as he was in the 1984 version because who knows how old he was in the 20s when Secrets of the Mogwai was set. And from there to 1984, uh, he didn't look like he aged a bit. I think that's something... You know, they didn't really think about it when they made that Mountain Dew commercial. You know, this this series wasn't even out yet, so they didn't know that sort of thing. But uh, I think that's something to, to look into as far as uh, what, what the look of a new Gremlin movie would be like and things to ponder. And I really think there's still a lot of life left. Now, would Howie Mandel reprise his role as Gizmo for a movie? I don't know. I, I don't know why he turned down the chance to uh, reprise the the gizmo role for this series it, it's my understanding that he turned it down but but maybe they didn't offer it to him I, i'm not 100 percent certain on that would they bring joe dante back to direct that would be an interesting uh to see if they would do that because you know he did such a great job with the first one and the second one i you know the story wasn't what it should have been but i think that was a lot of studio meddling in this whole realm that they shouldn't be meddling in uh producers meddling where they shouldn't be sticking their fingers uh, so you know i would love to see another sequel to the gremlins movies a live action and i think this uh, series uh, secrets of the mogwai gremlin secrets of the mogwai would be a great launching point to kind of spearheading a, a new movie uh you know to continue the legacy of Gremlins. And then, of course, we are going to get a sequel, uh, or not a sequel, but a second season of Gremlins Secrets of the Mogwai because, as I said, all the Gremlins got turned back into the furry Mogwai by magic, except for Noggin, the George Takai-voiced uh, Gremlin who has super intelligence, and he's on a steamer ship probably bound for California. Who knows where he's going to, but I'm sure we're going to find out in season two. And of course, uh, Gizmo has decided to uh, forsake the Valley of Jade to live with Sam and be a part of the Wing family uh, with uh, Fong and Han. And even L has been uh, kind of taken in by the, the Wing family. So, uh, and Grandpa Wing's back. He wasn't eaten. Well, he was eaten, but he was kind of puked back up, sort of. 
it, it all gets kind of fuzzy. But all in all, I really did love this uh, this season of Gremlins: Secrets of the Mogwai, in, in spite of the in spite of the kiddiness of it, and, and Gizmo being very animated, where he's not so much in the original movie. It's of course it's puppetry; he can't be that animated and moving around and flipping and flopping and all that sort of thing. Uh, he does that in this, but it's a cartoon, and much like you have to have some suspension of disbelief when it comes to to movies, you know, you have to. Cartoons are a certain way, and especially cartoons geared towards kids. There have to be a certain way. They are a certain way, and it's something that appeals to kids. But in spite of the fact that this is a kid's cartoon, it has enough in it that an adult fan of Gremlins from, from back in the day is going to be able to enjoy it enough. And like I said, just have a fun time watching it. And I certainly did. Hopefully you did as well. I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on Gremlins, Secrets of the Mogwai, the new series out on Max. All 10 episodes are out right now, so go check it out if you haven't watched it. Sorry if I spoiled anything for you, but you knew what you were getting into. I told you there was going to be spoilers. You didn't listen to me. And now, you well, I didn't spoil everything. I kind of gave you an overview, but uh, I didn't give you the particulars. So I at least, you know... You can at least give me that. But want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on Gremlins, Secrets of the Mogwai. Check out what's going on with Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop online. Of course, we've got Facebook. We're posting trailers. Uh, we're posting articles. We're posting my two cents, a whole lot of other things. Uh, you can check us out on Instagram as well. Again, posting a lot of uh, you know memes and, and pictures and, of course, uh, talking about uh, the latest episodes on both of those platforms. So uh, check both of those out and follow us there to stay on top of everything that's going on with Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. No matter where you listen to this podcast, no matter what platform, follow it, subscribe it, like it all that jazz, whatever your particular platform calls it, to stay in the know with all the latest episodes when they drop, usually on Mondays and Thursdays, but sometimes we have some surprise random curiosities and other things, uh, so so be on the lookout for that, and the best way to do that is to follow and subscribe and all that to all the different uh you know, social media platforms and whatever platform you happen to be listening to this on and as always please share this podcast with anyone that you know that loves horror fantasy and science fiction and as always leave that review that helps with the algorithms and all that technical mumbo jumbo that uh, makes the platform that you're listening to this on say hey uh somebody likes this we should probably share this with other people and that helps get the word out there but please leave a review five stars would be awesome but whatever review you leave we do appreciate it so until next time thank you for visiting odds bodkins curiosity shop we hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon but even though you may come back you never really get to leave odds bodkins curiosity shop ha 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 ha